and welcome to Horrible Friends. This is a horror podcast and book club format. Today we've got Jennifer's Body from 2009. Starting off, I'm Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And what you can expect from this year podcast is we're going to go over the plot. We're going to talk a little bit about cinematography, some sound and uh, special effects and uh, generally our, our little spin on, on a rating score. And then that's uh, we're going to see you off. But uh, yeah, so starting off, so Jennifer's Body, uh, you can find this film on Amazon Prime with stars on stars. And if you can find it anywhere else. Uh, and I think I'm going to send this over to Mr. Dan to do a little bit of history. Alrighty, so uh, Jennifer's Body from 2009. The director of this movie is Karen Kusama. Uh, she's most notable for doing The Invitation, Girl Fight, and Aeon Flux. Um, the writer of this is Diablo Cody, and she is most known for doing uh, for writing movies such as Tully, Young Adult, and she actually won an Oscar for writing Juno, which was her first movie. Oh, I think she's a lot of most, things are making sense. She's most well known for doing Juno. I think that was one of the movies that launched Ellen Page's career to where it is now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they're actually both very well known for doing a lot of uh, female centric movies. So if you look at their history, they're they're very well known for doing uh, female centric movies. Uh, the budget of this movie was 16 million. Uh, I didn't feel like doing a conversion because it was only 11 years ago. Like it's not going to be that big of a difference. Um, the box office, this movie actually made a pretty good amount of money. It made a uh, 31.6 million. I think that they expected a little bit more from it, but not, not too bad. Um, I'm kind of surprised by that. You know, everything I I've seen about like this movie, cause I did a little bit of research and it was very heavily mismarketed. It was marketed towards like teen boys because Megan Fox, of course, and they marketed it as like a straight horror movie and, and not what it was. It was more of a, it's not, it's always called satirical, but a lighthearted movie about like female friendship and stuff like that too. It wasn't marketed like that at all. For real? I mean, they, they caught me back in 2009. I went to see it and I was mildly disappointed. I saw it too. I I don't know if it was so much a lighthearted, lighthearted movie about friendship. Yeah, a female friendship. That's what it's about. I I did just watch this <laughs> film again, and I'm gonna have to disagree. Yeah, definitely was not a lighthearted affair. <laughs> did we watch the same movie? Did you watch the Jennifer's Body from 2003? Ah, oh, uh, did you watch the Mighty Ducks again? <laughs> oh, yeah, the Mighty Ducks again. So like when Charlie Conway got injured, I mean, I was heartbroken. Uh, <laughs> he still can't say it without laughing. I know. <laughs> Much to Jarvis's dismay, this movie was filmed in British Columbia. Uh, a lot of the schools <laughs> that, were, that were filmed were in Vancouver. Son uh, of a but, bitch. But don't worry. Don't worry, Derry. We, we, we crossed the border and come back down to Minnesota and... Uh, <laughs> We go to Judge C.R. Magny State Park to film where that waterfall was in that totally realistic whirlpool. Um, nope, nope. Is that your going. Minnesota net? I don't. I don't know. All my accents sound the same. I think that was my. I think that was my British accent. I don't know. It started out like Fargo, but ended more British. Uh-huh. 
you get the whole episode. That's all you have to sound like that. Alrighty. Um, oh, no. <laughs> the the runtime on this is gonna run you about 102 minutes there. And uh other other notable movies that came out in I'm so I can't do this. All right, other notable <laughs> movies that came out in 2009 include uh Orphan, Drag Me to Hell, Thirst, Human Centipede, and um the, the movie that we were just talking about, which is Antichrist. So when are we gonna do Human Centipede? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to do that movie. <laughs> I can wait. <laughs> no, you got to put it in the middle somewhere. You, you don't want to wind up it being the first movie. That's Even though it's probably one of the best spots to be. You definitely don't want it to be the you last movie. The, the, that's not the word, but the worst part is the middle part. As you get it from both ends, it's pretty terrible. Do not recommend all right. So with that being said, I'm going to pass this over to Dan with the plot. All right. Thank you very much. So Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer's body. So we open this movie with Dan's uh, old room, my old room, an institution, if you will, with uh, the female character who we learn's name is Needy. That's her nickname, saying that she gets letters and that she is the shit. Needy then puts on her bunny slippers and she goes out for rec time and lunch where a doctor tries to talk to her about her diet and uh, how to be better with her nutrition. And she kicks her in the face after stating that she is a kicker. And then she spits on the doctor and she throws, uh, (laughs) she's thrown in the shoe. Sorry. That's what I call it after. I don't remember what show I got that from. It's like a solitary confinement. That's uh, Oz. That's Oz. Thank you. Yes. And we do have uh, Schillinger in this movie. Uh, yes, we do. We do. You're right. Yeah. So we got we got a lot of references to Oz here. So my my first thought, guys, when she she kicks the woman and it spits on her after she also says uh, gracias to the to the uh, Latino like. I don't know what he is orderly. I was like, all right, orderly. Is, yeah. is Needy racist? Like, I'm, I, my mind has to go there immediately. This movie is a travesty of 2009. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty much just what's Diablo Cody's writing style in general, and just the dialogue in this movie and the way people talk to each other. It's distinctive Diablo Cody because she has the same writing style all the way out. Juno, she has the same running style in all her other movies she's done. You, it's unmistakable for anybody else. Everybody talks like overly clever, where people wouldn't talk like that to each other. A lot of referential jokes and references. That's just the way she writes. Yeah, the the whole sure. movie feels very juvenile. If I could be honest, like a yes. lot of the way that they talk to each other, a lot of the themes in the movie, it's very juvenile feeling. But, per, you know, purposely juvenile. I liked it. It's literally like if you mashed up Juno, Mean Girls, and like some sick ass demon movie. Oh, and, like uh, Evil Dead, right? I, I think it worked. Uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> now I, my reaction to this after watching it was uh, the only description I can give it was whoever wrote this movie was probably a group of 15 year old boys who just got done playing Call of Duty. Fair. It, it just felt it felt like Call of Duty. I was back into it. <laughs> I have no idea what you mean by that, but I'm excited to find out. The other one of the first things I noticed too is when she was in her cell, 
She was like, everybody writes to me. I get so many letters. I get more letters than Santa Claus, Zac Efron, and Dr. Phil. It's like, that's a wide variety of different <laughs> people who get more letters than. I would think Santa would get the most letters, but we all know it's probably Dr. Phil. She, she said Michael Jackson. Did she say Michael Jackson? I don't know. I thought that's what you said. So. Oh, she said she said Santa. I know you think uh, Michael Jackson and Santana are the same people. You know, Michael I, Jackson and <laughs> Santa are not the same people. You know, Santa, Santa, Inside joke, I, I just listened to that song today and I thought about that and I'm still scarred. Uh, moving on, though. Uh, so when she's in the shoe, the solitary confinement, a song begins to play that is I'm going to refer to this band. I know that they're called Low Shoulder, but I'm always going to refer to them as Fake Dashboard Confessional because that's what they are. So, oh my God, that fits so perfectly. Fake Dashboard Confessional comes on and she states that she hates the song and we get a flashback. Um, so the next thing that we are introduced, we get like a nice pan over to the town and she states that this is Devil's Kettle and she's like, oh, it's such a cool name. But it's named after the waterfall, and we get that shot of the waterfall and the whirlpool. And uh, we learned that the whirlpool that's in front of the waterfall, uh, scientists don't know where it goes to. That seems ridiculous because GPS has existed. But whatever, we are expected to suspend disbelief uh, that this is a mystery whirlpool. Zoom in on a house, and we are with Needy, and she's spying inside on Jennifer watching a workout TV and looking very sickly. Yeah, she was watching Tony Little, I believe. Yeah, she was. was. Uh, Yeah. I will say, um, rough-looking Jennifer, still pretty good. They referenced that later, too. They were like, oh, yeah, when when she looks really bad, I mean, bad for her. Did you guess... Did you guys? I just noticed the weirdest things when I watch movies. Did you guys notice the random horse in the yard? It was just like a horse there. No, there's a horse. Yeah, there was just yeah. a horse in the yard. Just a horse chilling on the lawn. Okay, as, as long as it wasn't just me. That's all. I, I don't have anything else to say about it. Uh, all right. So Needy explains how she was friends with Jennifer, and we get more of a flashback. We flashback even further, and we see how. Uh, dated this movie is by hearing terms such as MySpace. Yeah. Because when she said, when Jennifer said she heard about this band, Low Shoulder, on their MySpace page, it was like, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. We also learned that the color guard is super cool, apparently, <laughs> because Jennifer's in the color guard. I thought she was just a cheerleader. She's a cheerleader. No, she's not. She's a color guard. She's absolutely twirling a flag. Mm-hmm. She is color guard. You're right. Okay. All right. So, but so just as- because of that, because of their connection, that's visible. They're uh, they're totally lesbian. Mm-hmm. That was another one of my favorite yep. <laughs> favorite Les- terms coined by this movie. Lesbian and uh, someone says sea cucumber later on. I don't know where. Don't remember. But let's keep going. <laughs> I, I have to ask. If someone says that you are extra salty, uh, so what comes to your mind? Oh, salty's developed a different meaning. I don't think it was ever salty what they meant it was. I never heard of it that way, but salty. Like, internet culture and, like, gaming cultures mean, like, you're annoyed, you're pissed off. Okay. Thank you. I just thought salty salty could never be fetch, and that's what she was trying to do. She could never be fetch. Stop making fetch a thing. <laughs> Salty's never gonna happen, Jennifer. It starts out with like a 
you know, I don't know what that is. And then later on, it makes a it makes sense because she's eating the people. So I guess that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to make it a thing just for the salty part. I, don't know. I, I like that connection when they start doing that. But like to say that salty means beautiful out of no context, like yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. Like yeah. salt is not beautiful. Salt is like unpleasant if it's too much. Like what, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's savory, if anything. Anyway. You can't anyway yourself. Kyle's gonna anyway. I, I know. I felt weird when I did it. I will never do it again. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, was that sorry? That was uh, all right, all right. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer invites uh, Meaty to go to the concert, like Mike was saying, and it is at a bar. Even though they keep wanting to say it's a club, Needy uh, reluctantly agrees, uh, deciding to ditch her boyfriend. Uh, Chip is her boyfriend. And the next scene is we see Jennifer um, Needy, rather, is with Chip. And they're kind of like bickering a little bit, but like kind of playful bickering. Like they're they're being very flirty. He says, saying, he says, I can see your womb. Yeah, there's another guy talking about wombs. <laughs> yeah. We were never the womb talk in the last movie, but now we got this one. This yeah. guy talking about wombs. <laughs> Again, it just shows public school system not doing well with teaching anatomy. It's no. I did like all his posters. Yes. Also, <laughs> who's Phil Collins? That annoyed me so much. <laughs> I was devastated. I just love that this Ned's declassified looking motherfucker is like <laughs> all is all. He's so salty that the guys at the bar are going to see Needy's front butt. That was, which I thought was better than womb. He calls it her front butt. <laughs> yeah, it's a good term, man. <laughs> all right so as you can hear chip is being very whiny about like saying that her clues are too revealing uh, but they're still being kind of flirty uh and he weirdly almost unbuckles his pants he's so fast he's such a teenage boy she was like all right here's a little kiss and he was like pants off and she's like no nah, come on <laughs> look at my dick they i i've never had that technique one-handed he was one-handed we got a skilled man here all right, so Jennifer and Needy, they head to the club, and we see that Jennifer is being very conceited. Like, you really get to kind of know Jennifer a little bit more when you see her actions here. But you also get from her that, like, she kind of wants a little bit more from life with, like, comments like, oh, this band, they're from, like, another area. They're from the big city. I want to be from there. Um, yeah, so we kind of, like, get a little bit more development from Jennifer in this scene. I would say the first thing I noticed about like this part of the movie was uh, the relationship with Needy and Jennifer. The most accurate comparison I can make was uh, like Ferris and Cameron and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where they are friends, maybe just for the simple fact that they've always been friends. And Jennifer is way more popular than Needy is, just like Ferris was more popular than Cameron. And they keep him around out of familiarity, but they don't, they talk down to him a little bit, but in not a mean way, just a dismissive way. And that's what this relationship between those two came off to me as. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, uh, my first thought was, man, they just let those kids right in the bar. Cool. That's what the exes on the hands were for. The exes were underage. You can't drink. I guess maybe. Yep. My, my first thought was, I guess Chris Pratt is a faggo. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah well, who the fuck let chris pratt in this movie and why did he agree to he had one line and it was huh, 
seems like a fago. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness! This. this I mean, whole- at the time, he was still like homeless, living under a bridge, and not doing much as an actor. So I think he was just going to take anything. This is fair, but he should he should have gotten a job at the ham store. Did anyone else catch that? <laughs> <laughs> for those hands he was smuggling no yeah fucking jennifer says at some point she was talking to some guy who works at the ham store and i was like what the fuck is a ham store <laughs> all right so jennifer and uh jennifer begins to like swoon over this band uh the fake dashboard confessional and they talk about if she's a virgin to which needy overhears while Jennifer is getting the lead singer a drink, and right. he walked over. They were nine eleven tribute drinks, and yep. that was pretty awful. And that was, was like, so bad. If you leave them, if you let them sit too long, they'd all turn brown. It was like, dude, that's not good. And I think one, of, she specifically said like, oh, one of them is a little messed up. And I was like, oh my goodness, this joke is just, it's oh, she, soon. She, she was like, it's like one of them had a little bit less like liquid in it. She's like, yeah. uh, tower two or something. It's like, oh. I know. It was. <laughs> tower two is low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Happy 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Needy goes over and she sticks up for Jen saying that she doesn't, she is a virgin and she doesn't need to give herself up to creeps like you. And you really get like needy is like a good person from seeing like this kind of, um, this kind of action from her. So needy goes over. She reports to Jennifer that the guys in the band are creeps. Uh, but Jennifer doesn't seem to really care about that. She's, she's completely serenaded almost in a spell by, fake dashboard confessional yeah but she didn't care about the bassist nobody ever respects the bassist <laughs> i took personal offense to that because when i played in a band i was the bassist and i was like this is so true yeah also you totally left out the number one character of this whole movie and it's definitely ahmed yeah <laughs> yes ahmed yep my favorite thing about this scene, though, so like, you know, the, this is where we're introduced to this fucking song that we're going to hear 40 more times. Uh, it's called Through the Trees by Low Shoulder. <laughs> but I was I, like me. I watched this with my wife and we're just we just looked at each other. We're like we're looking at all the faces in this bar and we're like, there is no fucking way the patrons of this bar would let this band play like not a chance. It's old biker. It's old, it's old biker guys. It's like, uh, it, it's, it's not the right turtles. scene. It yeah, it's of, not the right scene for this band. It was a bunch of fagos. <laughs> <laughs> I went back and forth in the dialogue of this movie. Like at first, I hated it, and then I loved it, and then I got kind of tired of it. But then I wound up, I loved it again. I, it was just the most base sense of humor that you could possibly imagine, and. After a while, just you just lean into it. It's like, okay, this is this is my type of movie. All right, so a fire starts, and Needy notices it. So this fire just like starts almost seemingly out of nowhere, and Needy notices it, and, and she doesn't say anything. She just lets it happen. Mm-hmm. 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 Just like, oh, that's a thing. Anyway, but I do have a thought on that. So, so let me explain what happens after it burns out, and then I'll give you my quick thought on 
that and then hear if you have a rebuttal for that. But a fire begins. Needy notices it. Like Mike says, she doesn't say shit about it. She just kind of stares at it. And then other people start to, as the fire starts to take hold of the place and everyone starts to notice it, people are getting trampled. People are, um, people are burning and Jennifer and Needy are fortunate enough that they escape through a bathroom window. Uh, the bar completely burns down. The creepy band walks over to her, to Jennifer and Needy, and kind of takes advantage of Jennifer in her traumatic state, uh, saying like, hey, let's go to my van. And Needy's like, this is fucking weird. No. And Jennifer's like, no, nah, it's all right. And so he leads her in there. They shut the door, leaving Needy behind and drive away with Jennifer. And we don't see Jennifer again for a little while. So my thought on that is it's kind of different takes of trauma where Needy was kind of facing the trauma head on. And Jennifer, like she was kind of like shocked in that moment of the fire. But I think that she was kind of taking the trauma head on, whereas Jennifer was kind of like traumatized and not able to face that trauma. Yeah, I just because this movie likes to go in these directions, I'm going to say it was a demon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to agree with you, Kyle. I think so. Here's the other thing. So I I did think that they were sort of channeling like a supernatural element, like even from the show when they had initially picked her. And it was clear that they've been kind of delving into the dark arts. If it wasn't clear, then it was clear five minutes after this scene. Um, but here's the other thing, though. That fire lit up that bar so quick. Demon fire or not, that bar was not up to code. I'm sorry, it was not up to safety standards. And it was clear from that fire. I just thought it was because the song was so hot that the. <laughs> yeah, through the trees. All right, show us hot fire. <laughs> Spit hot fire. So Needy goes home. She calls Chip, who in a roundabout way, kind of dismisses any concerns that she has about Jen, basically insinuating that Jen, Jennifer kind of deserved whatever she gets. Um, Needy eventually hangs up on him after like creeping around her house. Creepy things are going on. There's, it's a very high tense moment. Uh, she's going through her house and all of a sudden Jennifer is in her kitchen, bloody, smiling, red teeth and runs to the fridge trying to eat meat, de- different deli meats, um, which scream, making this awful scream sound. Uh, she ends up vomiting this black goop that looks like, uh, I don't know, how would you guys describe what the black goop looked like? Like liquid needles. It, it, was, yeah. pretty, it was actually a pretty cool graphic. Agreed. It was like tar, and then it was like the, they have this like crazy uh, magnetic fluid, like it's got ferrofluid or something like that. Um, it kind of looked like that. That was pretty neat. Sorry, I just don't appreciate how she wasted that sweet rotisserie chicken. <laughs> just throw it on the floor. I mean, I respect the Costco rotisserie chicken more than just as much as any man out there. I wouldn't just throw it on the floor like that. Agreed. Uh, I did like the line. Um, uh, what's his name? Cliff? Clint? What's his, uh, the boyfriend? Yeah. Chip. Chip. Yeah, whatever. Uh, his, <laughs> his name. Uh, his name's irrelevant because he goes oh well what were they driving and she goes i don't know an 89 rapist and i was like yeah that's pretty good (laughs) that's a good line that's just good that's just good 
Mike, you said you're not a fan of how she treated that chicken. I just want to say I'm glad I finally have some representation in a horror movie because that scene is just hot chick version of me after a night out just drunk throwing up eating a rotisserie chicken on the <laughs> on the kitchen floor i loved that scene i felt so akin to her character can confirm have seen this man drunk i'm surprised no one else said it i'm surprised i had to be the one <laughs> so after she vomits a black she runs over she hugs needy she very sensually kisses needy's neck and she asks her if she's scared and then she leaves very quickly so we're in the next day needy's in school and jennifer shows up and she's acting completely fine like nothing happened at all um as jk simmons comes up and he's talking about dead kids and stuff like all these uh all these kids died in there uh by the way jk simmons is a total goober in this in this movie he's a total goober teacher he looked weird with hair at yeah. first, I didn't, I didn't recognize him. It was so weird. J.K. Simmons? Yeah, that's J.K. Simmons, and he's got hair, and it doesn't look like J.K. Simmons. I always picture J.K. Simmons as, like, Whiplash J.K. Simmons or uh, J. Jonah Jameson or Schillinger. Like, very, like, vicious, kind of, like, in your face. And this guy was just like, oh, oh gee, Willikers, guys. Um, there's two sides of J.K. Simmons. There's Schillinger J.K. Simmons, and there's the yellow M&M J.K. Simmons. Oh, that's true. You're right. <laughs> is which one is Cave Johnson? No, nobody played Portal Two. All right. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. All right. I got it. Oh, you fucking nerds. Yeah. All right, but but Jennifer seems to be very indifferent about people dying at the bar. Because um, like she, uh, Needy says, um, "Why aren't you reacting? People died." And Jennifer goes, "Anybody we know." And Needy says, we know everyone. <laughs> and Jennifer's like, oh, it sucks to be them, I guess. And that was really funny. I like that one. Yeah, the next yeah. set of lines is like, it's heated. It's just suddenly it's that. And then it's like, she says, Gaylord. And then says, you got to get your hand fixed with it by a Chinese girl. And I was like, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of like edgelord like writing. It's so edgy. It's very edgy. I liked it a lot because it's clear at that point that she has like, you know, she's been possessed by this demon, this force of some point. But like, you don't know what is her talking and you don't know what's the demon. And like, as time goes on, you kind of realize that it's it, it is her just kind of like with this new sense of like accomplishment and this in, invulnerability that she has now that she's possessed by this demon. So it's kind of brought out the worst in her. And, and I liked that. And it's more clear as time goes on throughout the film. We also get to hear J.K. Simmons say the word ho, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> that was funny. Uh, so Needy tells Chip about Jennifer, and Chip is actually supportive this time. And then we meet Colin, who is, and I quote, deep and emotional. Uh, Colin expresses that he's glad that Needy is okay. Uh, and that is all he does. He goes over, makes sure she's okay, and says, I'm happy that you're all right. And Chip immediately gets jealous. He's just like, well, you're into the deep guys now. And she's like, mm, but you can be deep, if you know what I mean. And then they leave. Uh, but we're then met by... Uh, so high school emo. And like I hung around a few high school emo kids when I was a kid. It's like, yeah, high school emo kids are about as deep as a puddle. Chip's got nothing to worry about. <laughs> he looked like but they always had the lead singer from Green Day and my chemical it's combined yeah they always had great oh, hair agreed 
All right. Well, then we are met to uh, throwback for me for when I was in high school. We get to hear some It Dies Today. And I was very happy about this. Um, so It Dies Today is playing in the background like this heavy music. And we get this weird pan in on this one football player who's standing completely by himself out on a football field. Um, and he was grieving. It was just in the middle weird. of a field. Yeah. As you grieve on the gridiron boys. So Jennifer, naturally Jennifer walks out and she meets the football player named Jonas, who is an all-star football player. She like talks to him. She's like, Oh, do you miss your best friend? He's like, yeah. And she's like, Hmm. I know how to make you not miss him. And he's like, all right. So she seduces him. Uh, She like grabs his dick. Uh, They do some really awkward kiss, like the most awkward kiss. Like we've seen some awkward kissing, but this was awkward kissing because they weren't like sexual at all. They were just kind of standing there like arms length apart, trying to make out with each other. So like they were kind of like crane necking it. Um, they, were, they were leaving room for Jesus. They were leaving room for Jesus. <laughs> I just thought men were so easily eaten by demons at, at this mm-hmm. point. Like, it, it took nothing. To be I, fair. I, I can't blame them. I, if I was in their position, <laughs> let's go in the woods, we'll mess around for a little bit, then I'm going to eat your soul. Say, I lead the way. Let's go. <laughs> I was going to say, to be fair, in high school, wouldn't all of us have just died in this position now? Yep. Yep, yep, oh, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I think I didn't make it 15 minutes into the movie. I, was no say, chance <laughs> I think Jarvis actually did die in high school, so yeah, <laughs> at least once. At least once, uh, she seduces him, and then we see her grow teeth. And the next thing we see is J.K. Simmons, um, like walking to his car, and we hear screams as uh. Jonas is presumably dead, and then we don't have to presume it because they just show his body, and he is just mutilated. Well, you did skip over the part where all the animals rolled up for the show because they, they thought oh, you're right. about to go down, and they're like, yeah. yeah, "We're gonna watch this." Yeah, that, that's a reoccurring theme throughout this whole thing. Is some sort of animal creature critter? Is it whenever she's about to murder something, they all come in ready for their scraps afterwards? Yo, a deer was eating him. What the yep. fuck? All right, so we go back to Needy. And on the radio, we hear fake dashboard confessional again. And we get to meet her mom, who I'm not really sure if she's just in a bad way or if she just works nights or like what was going on with her. Uh, She works swing shift, so she works nights and that's why she wasn't home. And that's why she looks so tired. Okay. Was I the only one that noticed that they said cunt on the radio? You can't say cunt. You can't say cunt on the radio. And then the guy's introducing the song. He's like, we're going to bring out this cunt song. He, he says cunt on the radio. You cannot say cunt on the radio. That's funny. I didn't notice that. Honestly, we probably can't say it right here. I just, said it, I, I just said it about 15 times. So. <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to say, but we could say it on a podcast at least 15 times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys were focused on cunt. Did you not? Did you forget the part where Jennifer calls? Um, what was his name? Jonas. She calls it. A, she calls it a tragedy boner. <laughs> and immediately, I wrote down tragedy boner, new band name. I called it. <laughs> no, I I was too busy listening to the the dialogue between um, 
between what's her face and her mom because uh she said just like jesus christ hard-ass ford tough mama bear (laughs) (laughs) is how she self-described and i was like yeah that's that's great i did like how she asked uh jonas do you miss craig and then immediately jerked him off (laughs) (laughs) i mean it would make me feel better well a little less now <laughs> all things considered though it was probably the worst handy jammer i've ever seen <laughs> you know yeah, she, started out great he went ended. down and when she said like hey do you miss him and he was like uh kind of she was like okay shutties she actually said shutties like shut your mouth shutties <laughs> shutties <laughs> uh next thing we see is needy and jen are jennifer are talking on the phone and they're having some conversation uh, if there's anything of relevance that you guys want to mention in this conversation, go ahead and uh, butt in. But uh, the most important thing that I saw was that Jennifer burns her tongue and it immediately heals. And as and then she tells Needy that she is a god. So, uh, we then go to school where everyone except Jen is sad. Needy explains that the national news are covering the tragedy and the dashboard confessional song fake dashboard confessional song, I'm sorry, has become the anthem for their town. And we have to hear the song like two more times in this in this band. We seriously have to hear the song like 50,000 times. Oh, it hurts. They did have a shrine to the football player at the school and like not a single thing for anybody else. Hmm. And this is the football player that died from Jennifer, not even like the fire victims. Mm-hmm. Correct. Well, well, Ahmet wasn't an all-star football player, so he kind of, you know, that's his fault. Okay. So kind of the wrong shade, wrong, wrong, wrong skin color, you know. Look, I'm calling it out. I'm calling it out. I'm saying it was racist. I don't care. Okay. All right. So we watched the we watched the students slowly getting better over time. I really like this, like, camera lapse. It was very simple. They just showed the flowers in front of the shrine slowly start to wilt, uh, showing that time has passed, and it's been about a month now. Um, Needy, we then see Needy is arguing with another woman about the band. I, I don't remember what her name was, but they were very dramatic about how great the band is. They were like, they're a national treasure. And she was like way into that band and she took personal offense to uh, Needy shitting on the band saying they sucked. So they're arguing. Needy then asks Jennifer, she says that you look awful, Jennifer. And she's like, are you PMSing? And Jennifer has like her woke feminist moment saying that that's not real. It's just something that men have created to like explain why we act certain ways. So I was like, whoa, all right, calm down, Jennifer. But then we come back to reality and she's like fago, gay, lord, and all this stuff. So it was it was a nice shimmer of light for me. And then I was like, all right, fine, back to reality. Uh, so Colin then asks uh, Jennifer out and Jennifer cl- declines him until Needy says that she thought that he's pretty cool and that he's really nice. And Needy is like showing some sort of even like friend friendly interest in him. And Jennifer quickly decides, oh, never mind. Uh, we can definitely go out, uh, come over to my house. And then we get the weird comment about Chip because Jennifer starts to show interest in Chip and asks, what are his pubic inches? Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, the guy, Colin, the emo Colin, I'll call him emo Colin. He's only into dead girls. In, in typical emo fashion, he's like, well, they're doing a showing of Rocky Horror if you want to go. 
She's like, nah, I don't like boxing movies. Yeah. I I wrote that down too. I'm glad you took it, man. That was one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. I don't like boxing movies. Yeah, I mean, there were so many like low-key, really funny lines in Jennifer in this movie that that's what really made the movie for me. Agreed. It's one of those movies you got to pay attention to, man. There is some funny dialect. I loved it. It was like a joke a minute. It was very funny. Yes. It was a little overboard, I think, in that sense. But anyway, let's go ahead and keep moving. Don't you anyway me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) All right. So uh, Needy kisses Chip and then Jen immediately loses interest after that. She's like, get a room. So next we are cut to Colin listening to his maggot rock. (laughs) <laughs> as as Jen said it, uh, which was I could see clearly now the rain. Is <laughs> I mean, if I was like in that car, I would have like swerved into like the side of the road because that was a painful scene to watch. It was so mm-hmm. bad. And then that juxtaposed with what they were cutting back to, which I imagine you're about to get to. But it's the, oh, yeah. the, sec- the awkward sex scene. Oh yeah, we're definitely going to talk about this because this yeah. has some of my favorite lines, Oof. Uh, such as Weddy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, such as put it in. <laughs> such as, am I too big for you? <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> I, it was so perfectly like high school teenage boy is like, what? Am I, am I too big for you? I'm so sorry. Oops. <laughs> he, was, he was so giddy with excitement. Like, oh, my dick is huge. <laughs> uh, the best part what, for me was when he first put it in he was using the soak method because like no thrust whatsoever just you just let it sit there for a little while (laughs) (laughs) is that what you call it you named that (laughs) it's not my name it's not my method Uh i've heard it referred to as the soak method Oh God! I, I think we have to end the episode here. I think I don't think we can go any further. I'm done. It's over. I'm so I'm stuck at the soak method. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm gonna soak for the rest of the episode. All right, guys. Uh, math, math, math. Sokotoa. There we go. I'll bring it back down. All right. So. <laughs> Uh, my my last line that I wanted to say was actually right before we get to this awkward sex scene, which is when Colin goes up to Jennifer and says, and she tells Needy that my dick is bigger than his. Mm-hmm. Love that line. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. So let's get to this awkward, awkward sex with the soak. Um, so Jennifer, uh, where are we at? So he's listening to Maggot Rock while he's on the way to Jennifer's while Chip and Needy have really weird foreplay with some weird boob squeezing. And it's just very awkward. Yes. Um, squeezing the padding, not really squeezing a boob. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's very weird. Um, so Colin goes into this house on a street that has, clearly has no one living on it and be, that's very clear because they're all being worked on construction. But he goes in nonetheless and finds Jennifer who begins to seduce him, even though she said wetty. <laughs> Jennifer then breaks his wrist and begins to eat him. Uh, and Colin is no more. But we are also, 
happy to be given while this is all going on. We're kind of bouncing back and forth, but I gave you one scene at a time. Um, Needy is having sex with uh, Chip, but she begins to see visions of people who are being murdered, such as Jonas. And uh, we see Jennifer in the corner, like sitting like very demon-like. We see a scene of... Uh, yeah, like blood coming off the wall or off the ceiling. And then we cut back and we see Jen actually eating Colin. This is like the most vicious that the movie gets, like the most gory that the movie gets. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I think because of the way that Needy was reacting to the visions that she was having, Chip thought he was doing something right. And that's when he was like, am I too big for you? Right. <clears throat> I got a couple of notes on this part, man. So first off, let's start with the sex scene. It was at this point, um, and mind you, I'm watching this with my wife. Um, as soon as Chip puts on that uh, jammin' jasmine scented light, um, I actually had to press pause on the movie because my wife watching it got so excited, like we immediately had sex. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am, so I've already Amazoned the jammin' jasmine scented light. Uh, it was it was clearly too too much for her to handle. She was too overcome with desire. Um, that sex scene was absolutely fucking hysterical. And I loved uh, it's probably my favorite part of the whole movie because they put that funny ass sex scene up against what's happening to Colin and what's happening in, in Needy's mind. You know what she's seeing. And that was like kind of where it all came together. Like this is a fucking horror movie, man, um, because we see dead Jonah on the on the chair and demon Jennifer hunched over him. Very similar to like the new evil dead um, you know, or, uh, you know, really any demon movie that, that, that sort of almost Spider-Man S crouch, um, where it's just like this, uh, I don't know. It, it was, it was very intense, but it was still light and funny at the same time. And that's kind of like this beautiful amalgam of what this movie is. Yeah. Uh, it was a cool scene. It, it was weird to build up to it, but yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. I think that was very, very well put of like, uh, giving it better su- that was a better synopsis than I was doing for it. So I thank you. Thank you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So uh, after that, Needy freaks out. She runs out. Uh, Chip, I guess he's freaking out, but I, we don't care because he's not the main character. So uh, Needy leaves the house and we hear the bad fake dashboard confessional song before seeing Jennifer uh, who jumps on her car and she breaks the windshield. All right. So uh, she kind of spins out, but she's okay. And I think the windshield was okay too. I think it was just kind of in her mind. Oh, maybe Uh, it was, it looked cracked when she jumped on it, but uh, I didn't notice it afterwards. So that would have been interesting. Yeah. So needy, she goes home and she passes out on her couch, just freaked out. Uh, But Time kind of passes and she wakes up and she goes back into her bedroom to find Jennifer in her bed without pants on. Just waiting for her. Just waiting. Just hanging out. Uh, she kind of says like, oh, we used to have sleepovers. <laughs> it's OK. And then Jen begins to do what she used to what she's been doing to all the guys. And she begins to seduce her. And Needy falls under the spell. They begin like this very intense makeout session uh, until Needy snaps out of it and just kind of freaks out. And she's like, what the fuck? I just I, I, I what the fuck? Like talking in circles. And then Jennifer realizes that Needy needs to 
needs the explanation of what happened and begins to explain what happened when she got into the van. Now, now do you think that it was some kind of like supernatural ability that Jennifer had to seduce Needy and all the guys in the movie? Or it was just something that had always been building between the two of them? I think it's just the way like other people in the school talk about them together. They say, oh, the lesbian, not like straight lesbians, but they got that kind of relationship with each other. Okay, so they're, le- they're lesbian gay. They're totally lesbian. <laughs> That's the technical term. Total faggos. Total faggos. Welcome to Horrible Friends. We're totally lesbian gay. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Here's, here's mm-hmm. my answer, which I'll give you my personal opinion, and I'll give you what the director and writer said. So my personal opinion is that she's a succubus, which is a type of demon. Uh, and I mean, we know what succubuses do, right? They seduce people. So I think she's a succubus. And so I think that would go along with the supernatural aspect of her being able to seduce people like that. Um, and like becoming more beautiful as she consumes people like that, that just kind of made sense to me, which made it cooler because I've never seen a succubus as a horror villain. Um, the director said that, uh, they wanted to, or the writer said that they wanted to, show how uh, friendships between two women or two girls are just naturally romantic Um, because there's always a sense of romance where the writer was saying that whenever she would go over someone's one of her friend's houses, she would want to like wear their clothes and be with them nonstop. So there's always like that sense of romance when it comes to like friendship and they wanted to show that with it. I definitely saw that. I saw that a lot. Yeah. I mean, this was a very interesting scene to me. I got, I had a very wide range of emotions throughout this whole thing. Uh, Did you? I I, 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 I run you through real quick. It was interested, 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 (laughs) very interested. (laughs) Then uh, not interested at all. (laughs) If you're just trying to say that this particular scene gave you a wedding, just say it, Mike. (laughs) I now just imagine it as interested, 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 interested. (laughs) I think I think what Mike is trying to say is that he's just jello. He's actually just lime green jello. I'm just lime green jello. Like I was saying before, I saw this movie when it first came out, and this was the only scene that stuck in my memory. Hmm. It's it's odd, right? I don't know why this would be the only scene that stuck in my memory. So strange. All right, so. Jennifer explains that she was abducted because she said that she was a virgin and uh, she was sacrificed out by the waterfall. Uh, They very maliciously murder her to this is the most. All right. I have to say this, though, but like they sacrifice her. They sacrifice her to. Uh, six five seven five three or whatever the fuck the Uh, number is. When they they break out in the Tommy Two Tone song. I was Eight. loving every second of it. Yes. 8675309 is what they murdered this poor girl to. Their own group rendition of 8675309. And I just want to say, if if and when we ever murder and dismember someone for our own podcast stardom, we're definitely saying that. That's I same. hope we can have that much fun doing it. Those guys, they were, you know, they were, they're a tight bunch. So, you know, we have a lot, of, a lot to live up to, guys. My favorite line out of that is when he's holding the knife and he says, oh, sick murder weapon. Thanks. It's a Bowie knife. Oh, Bowie. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. 
Oh, I liked when, when Jennifer was begging for her life. She had some real good lines too. She was like saying, oh, you don't need to sacrifice me. You can get a publicist. I'll make t-shirts. I'll be part of your street team. <laughs> I just, I was dying. That, <laughs> that is funny. But we are completely overlooking this part for the true importance of it, which is this is the part where this became a real horror movie and unbelievable to me because when the lead singer was trying to explain to their bassist that they need to do this sacrifice so that they can become famous and they have to do it. He said, do you want to work as a coffee shop guy for the rest of your life? Or do you want to be Adam Levine? And I went, Nobody wants to be Adam Levine. Thank you very much. <laughs> Movie's unbelievable. I was done. That was the moment. I was with him. I was like, demons? Yeah, they could be real. Jennifer, uh, you know, eating guys? Yeah, sure. I mean, maybe. This guy wants to be Adam Levine? Nope. No indie band wants to be Adam Levine. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, he's, yeah, you know, his Photoshop tattoos on the Super Bowl show. Nobody else remembers that Super Bowl show from I, I remember. I remember. I, I didn't know they were photoshopped. That's cool. They're not photoshopped. They, they just look photoshopped. They look like if you walked into the tattoo parlor and you just randomly pointed at things off the walls, like, I want that one and that one and that one and that one. That's what his tattoos are. Hey, that's what I did too. <laughs> I, want I want that. that. I want that. I want, no, skull. I want, I want that dumb beetle. That looks tough. <laughs> Adam Levine aside, so they explain that they have to do this because that's the way that bands get famous. They they comically say like they found the sacrifice offline. Uh, they were like, yeah, we just printed it offline. All right, well here we go. We're gonna murder you, and they sing the song. They kill her. What they think? Kill her. Well, yeah, Needy's like. Needy's like, well, it doesn't look like you're dead. And she's like, yeah, it doesn't seem like I'm dead, huh? So Needy's like, you got to leave. Get out of here. And Jennifer says, all right, fine. And she jumps out the window. Uh, and we see a plumber crack. And that's that's it for that scene. Well, I don't know what point in the movie they mentioned it in. I think it's towards the end. But the sacrifice didn't take because Jennifer was not a virgin. And that's why she became like possessed or controlled by the demon. She's not even a backdoor virgin. Yeah, she's not a backdoor right. virgin. She made sure to mention that. <laughs> I don't remember if if it ever came out that you know she had done more than the anal sex that she admitted to, but like either clearly it it wasn't. So at this point, and I really like this because they they did their homework as far as like demonology, and I'll get to that later on. Um, but like that purpose in, in why she is you know the way she is now, I really liked it. All right, so Needy, Needy explains in like an inner monologue that her and Jennifer aren't talking, uh, and it goes and shows that she is, I believe that that's at this part, but it, the next scene is that she's at the school library <laughs> where she, again, comically learns that how to kill a demon and that she needs to stab the demon in the heart when it is weak uh, in order to kill it. So... Chip then talks to Needy and she's told and he's told that uh, Jennifer is evil and that she's a demon and Needy begs him not to go to the dance. And she actually breaks up with him because she's like, it's not safe for us to be together right now because I think that Jennifer's after you. Uh, but Chip is naturally very upset about this and he's doesn't believe her. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to go anyway. He bought a corsage. It was $12. It was $12. $12. It was an orchid. Come it was on. an orchid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 
Uh, Chip's mom. Chip is getting ready. Actually, Chip's in his underwear, and his mom busts in and it's like uh, gives him some pepper spray. And Chip tells his mom that he can handle himself, and the audience laughs because we all know he can't handle himself. And he's been using the Bowflex. <laughs> he's got this. He's using a Bowflex. I, I had a good laugh at that part, really. You skipped over the whole the whole funeral. Where, uh, do, you, do you want to talk about that real quick? I just want to say I love the fact that Colin's mom like went off on all those like emo kids. Like, oh, he's floating around with the darkness now. She's like, shut the fuck up. He's dead. He's not floating around with any darkness. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I, I had like a little anti I had an okay boomer moment at that part. I was like, all right, these kids were like friends with them and you putting down their feelings for their friend. Like I, I understand like it's a mother's grief and nothing's going to overcome that, but you shouldn't be putting down other people who loved him too. And like how they want to grieve over it. I don't know. I was just like, okay, boomer. All right, calm down. But so <laughs> glad we all agree. Uh, so I was just picturing you in the J.K. Simmons wig, like. <laughs> oh, damn. all right. My my teacher side came out. I'm sorry. I can tell. Um, so Jennifer again looks weak. Uh, her hair is falling out. She looks she looks terrible. Uh, she she looks fine. <laughs> a, little, a little rough around the edges, but still pretty good. The next thing that we see is Needy's at the dance. Our favorite band is there um, playing our favorite song that we haven't heard enough of yet. And uh, this is the live version. We've heard the radio version enough. Time. This is the live version. This is the second time we've heard it live. Actually. You know what? After the 20th time, because I watched it twice, I, I got to say. I was kind of jamming uh, on that last one. <laughs> I was like, I was like, all right, it kind of slaps a little. And then I lost. So I was like, all right, never mind. Uh, Not a bad jam. Not a bad jam. Yeah, right. it wasn't awful. Uh, so Chip is then walking through the park. He's all by himself. He's going to the dance. And all of a sudden, Jen's behind him. And then she's not. She's in front of him. So Needy kind of gets the sense that Jennifer is with Chip. Because she has like some connection there. And it's like she has ESPN or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> and she leaves the dance to go find him. And the next scene is we see that Jennifer, who was lying to uh, Chip, saying that uh, Needy was talking shit on him. Uh, she seduces him and. Uh, yeah, so they are making out. Then they go to this weird abandoned pool that's just in the middle of nowhere. I it was uh, okay. This was honestly uh, that was my favorite scene when they walked in here. Uh, it was like really cool lighting. It was a really cool area. It was it was a good set. The favorite part. It definitely it was a good set. Cool. Yeah, it looked really cool. But I, I was kind of a random. Used. Yeah, it was very random. <laughs> kind of a random. Like, like, oh, oh, yeah. I oh, guess yeah. they had a swim team that they stopped giving a fuck about. Also, the in, pool wasn't drained. so uh real quick so uh so uh dan you already kind of touched that like needy is getting the sense that things are happening right Mm -hmm. so hear me out here's my fan theory i'm I'm pretty sure i'm in line with what the director and the screenplay was going for but but needy is able to like channel what's happening and that was clear from when she's having sex with chip that she's seeing all these things taking place 
but I really liked it. So going back to that sex scene with Chip, where he's like, am I too big for you? She also starts saying the word hopeless, 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 if you remember that. And in graffiti, um, in the abandoned pool is in big letters, it says hopeless. So what I kind of got from that is that because of like their their crazy tight connection between Needy and Jennifer, that she's sort of able to channel her powers um, even at this point, which I, I thought that was a really cool touch, man. Um, and, cool. you know, yeah, again, sort of going back into like, you know, actual legit demonology kind of it. Uh, I'll go on my tirade about it later, but like I. I, I really like this movie, man. They did their homework, but please continue. So we're inside the pool and uh, Chip then refuses to kiss Jennifer, to which she flips out. She throws him in the pool, which hasn't been drained and begins to try to drown him. And as Needy comes in, we see that she is starting to eat him. She took a big bite out of the side of his neck. Needy does like some cross thing and is like, I'm going to beat the shit out of this bitch and jumps in the pool and starts fighting her. And uh, so they're, they're fighting in the pool. And as she comes up, Chip throws the pepper spray to her, sprays Jennifer in the face. Jennifer vomits all over the place as anyone would when they get pepper sprayed, I would assume. Uh, and then they have like the most bakery argument and it, it's hilarious. Like, she's like, you're such a, what does she say? She says, you're such a player hater. That's what Jennifer says to Needy. <laughs> yep, I got that down. Uh, and Needy just says that you're insecure. You always have been. You're not a real friend. And Jennifer threatens her and says, that I'm going to rip you from limb to limb. And Needy says, uh, I thought that you only liked guys to which... Jennifer replies, uh, anyone want to say it? I go both ways, ways, bitch. (laughs) So as she starts to walk towards Needy, Chip saves her, stabbing Jennifer in the stomach, (laughs) to which Jennifer just says, ow, that hurt. (laughs) Pool skimmer. Pool skimmers aren't that sharp. It's a broken one. It, It was a broken pool skimmer. Come on. I'll also say after she gets stabbed, she looks at Needy and says, Do you have a tampon? <laughs> that was a good line. I thought I'd ask. And then like, follows up, you seem like you might be plugging. There you go. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Dan, how was that for a woke moment? Uh, it was good. It was good. It was good. <laughs> well, before PMS is just an invented thing, but now she's you know, clearly like, oh, you must be plugging. You seem kind of like a bitch lately. Yeah, where were you plugging? <laughs> were you offended? Um, no, I mean, there were way worse lines in this movie than that. <laughs> so I, I think I think the offensiveness of things such as Fago and uh, Lesbo friends and uh, calling someone sped like those things kind of outweighed this. I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> um, yes, there was plenty to be a little upset about. Okay, but anyway, so uh, Chip dies. It's it's they try to make it very emotional. I, did anyone really care? I didn't care at all. I was like, all right, fine. Yeah, I wasn't attached to Chip at all. No, I just kept referring to him as a uh, young Neil. Young Neil. Yeah, he was young Neil. So Needy goes home. She lies on her bed 
And she just has this decision in her bloody prom dress that she wants to kill Jennifer. Uh, the next scene is Jennifer is circling the boys on her in her yearbook of who she wants to eat. And we are back to the beginning shot of when Jennifer was not looking too great. So Needy crashes through the window and pins down Jennifer. She takes this box cutter <laughs> and cuts a cross into her. And what's the line that she that Jennifer says to her? Get your murder weapon from like Home Depot or something like that. <laughs> but before that, she says, uh, "This is a box cutter for cutting boxes." Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I about that one. I think she also says, "You're so butch." Yeah, she's like, "Where'd you get she that does. from, Home Depot?" God, you're so butch. <laughs> <laughs> The quirky dialect, man. You either love it or you hate it. Oh, I fucking couldn't get enough of it in yeah, this same, movie. Same, same. I couldn't get enough of it. Like, I, I don't... I didn't know how to handle it. I would say you just had to lean into it. If you just sat there being like, oh, that's corny, oh, that's offensive, like, you're not going to enjoy it. But if you just, like, lean, like, full-fledged into it and just let it overcome you, you'll, like, you'll grow to love it. Perhaps let it possess you? Let it possess you, yeah. Hey. Uh, the Butch Needy, uh, which is how we will now refer to her for the rest of the podcast. Butch Needy then cuts a cross into Jennifer in her stomach. And Jennifer begins to float with Needy on top of her. But Needy pulls off the best friends forever necklace on, on Jennifer. And Jennifer falls back into the bed. Needy falls on top of her and stabs her in the heart. To which Jennifer says, my tit. And Needy says, no, your heart. <laughs> and she dies. Uh, Jennifer's mom walks in. Finally, as if the window crashing wasn't enough to have her run in um, and discovers the scene. Does not react appropriately, but we'll move past that. Uh, now we flash back again to Needy in the shoe in the asylum. And we learn that she got bit by... Jennifer, which we did see. I didn't write that down, but we see her get bit by it. And she says that, well, I'm now a demon too because I got her powers. And she escapes the asylum. She finds the knife uh, that no scientist could find the end of the whirlpool. She finds it by mistake and picks up the knife that they disposed of. She tracks down the band and to all of our pleasure, she murders them and we never have to hear that song again. And this is how the movie ends. And she escapes. Because the thing was, when she got picked up by the, um, she was hitchhiking to go catch up with the band. He's like, where are you going? She's like, oh, I'm following a rock band. And tonight's the last show. And at that point, I was like, got him. <laughs> yeah, it was a good, it was a good ending of a line. Um yeah, she got superpowers. It was a cool, it was a great ending. It was a cool ending. They broke it up to kind of like a post-credit thing, like kind of a flashy post-credit scene. It was great. Very well yeah. done. Yeah, it was good. Uh, with that, it, is that all we got for the ending? Uh, if so, then I'm going to shoot it over to uh, maybe maybe Mike. Do you got anything for a shout-out? Now we actually have another shout-out this week. As always, we appreciate all of our shout-outs. Uh, this week's shout-out goes to Dr. Altitude's skydiving and family dentist. 
Do you ever struggle with poor oral health? Have you ever wanted to feel the excitement of floating through the air? Dr. Altitude, skydiving, and family dentist will have you saying, ah, brace yourself for the most fun teeth cleaning you can ever experience. Dr. Altitude is the only licensed dentist and skydiving instructor on the eastern seaboard. As you prepare to jump out of the plane into open air, your teeth will never feel cleaner. As your parachute opens, so will your mouth, so Dr. Altitude can perform any dental work you require. He was able to perform my root canal before we even touched the ground. Dr. Altitude is the only man who can pull your problem teeth faster than you can pull your chute. Free-falling 12,000 feet is the only Novocaine you'll need. Dr. Altitude, skydiving and family dentist, we love you. Lovely. Thank you, Mike. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and move over to our cinematics. Uh, I thought the whole movie was pretty good. It was shot well. The only thing I hated was uh, they used the blue light filter for like all the night scenes just to make it seem like nighttime. And it was just it's a little overkill. Um, I like that cool scene in the pool and a couple other scenes were all right, but nothing too crazy. The, the scene where Craig died was really cool, like how they showed the uh, shadows of of him dying. It was like kind of cheesy, but I yeah. think it was meant to be a little cheesy. And yeah. I, I appreciated what they what they did with that. Yeah, right. It was it was a good use. And it was um, it just changed up a little bit. We needed we did not need to see another person just get murdered and cut away. So that, that was cool. They did a lot of visually adventurous things, man. Visually, I know we're going to get to audio, too, but uh, audio like audio visual um they did a lot of adventurous things a lot of a lot of camera angles you know against that a dies today song when we're like speeding over this the football mm-hmm. field um they didn't oh the the large pan over the lake after jennifer's uh kill of jonah where we almost see some some uh, megan fox butt which was cool um but yeah it was a big budget film it had big budget views big budget camera angles and i love that they didn't stay safe I like the two. It felt like two, not two different kinds of movie, but two completely different styles of movie. The horror scenes were shot like horror movies, like in the dark and the shadows and the vicious attacks. What the scenes in the high school when they're just like talking amongst each other. It feels like just a high school, like a high school TV show, a high school movie, like brightly lit and like colorful. Like Juno. Yeah. yeah. So very colorful. So they mix the two very well together. Good point. Uh, with that, yeah, let's go ahead and go over to, to audio. Um, we had a we had a great score with our one favorite favorite song, and then we had we had some like uh, some good fun stuff. You you mentioned it earlier with the the, the two scenes. You you want to take this one, Jarvis? With the uh, just the it dies today. I mean, they had me at to dies today, man. That's <laughs> uh, dude. That's that's all of our high school experience right there. Mm-hmm. I was very excited to hear it. I like, though, that they did the original song. And sometimes when movies or, or shows or any sort of film does an original song, it's just so cheesy and just so like this word rhymes with this word. Let's put this in the show. Um, but this one was, you know, they put some effort into it, man. Like it gets annoying after the 15th time. But I find myself even after watching it kind of humming through the trees. Ah, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. I got to stop. <laughs> It's special effects are kind of thrown in there with the cinema uh, cinematography and whatnot. It, it they use some good special effects and some good lighting. Um, and nothing too crazy. The the CGI was okay. It, it didn't look too terrible. Like every, like every time you saw Jennifer attack somebody, like when her jaw unhinges and she goes for the bite, that was like very well done too. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like it it was obviously total CGI, but it, it didn't look bad even 10 years later, which is good. I read that they, they actually made like a mouth model uh, for the part where her she grows the teeth and they got a photo double in order to do that. I don't know what any of that means. But that's pretty cool. I don't know either. It sounds if, cool. If anyone's listening and knows what that means, there you go. There's some information for you. Um, I don't I'm, know. I, I, I stopped listening once you said there's a Megan Fox mouth model. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna have to cut this episode a little early so Mike can do some shopping. <laughs> uh, interested, yeah. interested, 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 interested. <laughs> I'm gonna thank uh, Mike's Mouth Emporium. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, their check hasn't cleared yet. They'll get a shout out next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a store I want to go to. <laughs> Shit, I'll be first in line. Uh, Dan, what are we spooping? Okay. Uh, well, back to me. This is my show this week. Um, <laughs> so, does anyone remember uh, the the very very nice analogy that they used about? Um, I believe it was Colin's body. What they said that he looked like. Oh, lasagna oh. with teeth. Mm-hmm. Lasagna with teeth. So, can anyone tell me how many layers are typically on lasagna? Uh, seven. Seven. You got noodle. Sauce cheese. Oh fuck! Here we go. Sauce cheese, noodle cheese. I'd say so, eight. And that's going no, Jesus Christ! I was just going to say four. All right. How many <laughs> do you guys want to say? Like, I, how about all right? Let's cut the difference. Let's say how about a serving five. of lasagna. A serving of lasagna. Would you guys give this a full tray or half tray or no tray for a serving oh. of lasagna? There we go. Uh, for someone, needs, someone needs to teach you how to make lasagna. You can't go four trays. What kind of said? What kind of said lasagna has four? No, a full has tray. four trays. I mean, I could eat Not four trays. Tray. Lasagna. <laughs> he said full. F U L L. Are you considering? Are, are you confusing tray with layer? Maybe. I misspoke. But I'm saying, I don't know. Do you guys are like 12 layers on lasagna? I'm like, what the fuck? Where's this guys, lasagna? Can I come over? I mean, a, a very wise man once said, I love lasagna. That man was Garfield. Okay. Zero to four layers of lasagna. <laughs> what do you give this? Zero to four. Go ahead, guys. Uh, um, I, I, I'm, I wasn't spoopified at all. I'd give it maybe a one. Uh, it was. There was nothing real spooky about it. They had some cool visual effects that were just kind of like, oh, unexpected. And then um, the powers were kind of cool and like a little spooky, if you will. But I wasn't I wasn't particularly uh, moved away from this from the screen. So one. I'm also going to go on the same thing. Nothing was just like, oh, oh God. No, it was just like, no, oh, OK. No, that's cool. And anyway, moving on. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just going to throw out the spoopy and and with my overall synopsis together um, because so so was it scary? You know, no. Um, and and I think it was almost done purposely. Uh, you know, so it could kind of reach a different audience. I was really surprised with the overall uh, box office uh, takeaway being kind of lower than I expected. I remember seeing this in junior high, man, and I remember like. Every every guy who had a girlfriend was taking his girlfriend to go see Jennifer's body. So uh, short answer, was it was it spoopy? Um, 
I'll probably stick with you guys one and a half, maybe even a two. Um, Cause I, I, I liked a, a lot of few, a lot of scenes in this. My overall though, my overall, um, I have high praise for this movie and I'm going to tell you why. So, you know, don't let the quirky dialogue and kind of playful timing, the, the fun, bright tr- uh, scene transitions, don't let it take you away from the fact that this is a horror movie. Um, and a well-researched one at that, right? Because it deals with demonicism and it, had a lot of consistent themes with good demonic movies, right? And the number one that we kind of touched on, right, is possession. So it kind of shows like the duality of like pre and uh, post uh, Jennifer becoming this demon, how she possessed Needy already, right? Socially, uh, sentimentally, she kind of already had her um, in her possession. And then post uh, demon, uh, she was able to possess her sexually to some degree, um, continuing the social themes. Um, she was able to be like physically oppressive. Um, she was able to emotionally and spiritually abuse and possess her. Um, so while, you know, demon movies usually talk about possession, like, you know, there's just some spirit inside you and you're possessing the body. She was able to possess more than that. Um I I just loved it, man. I, I catch myself catching different things throughout the movie that I thought were really smart. The fact that that last final fight in the bedroom, um, when she ripped off the necklace as they're floating above the bed, demons tend to cling to objects. They empower themselves through objects and how her possession was so kind of toward needy, like her ripping off that necklace kind of, um, you know, disabled her to some degree. I just loved it, man. It was it was beautifully done. It was well researched, and it was still lighthearted, and it reached a wide audience. So, uh, full tray of lasagna for me for Jennifer's body. Hmm. Uh, spoopy wise, I agree with everybody else. This movie wasn't scary at all. Uh, so I would say one on the spoopy meter. But uh, overall, I'm with Jarvis. I love this movie. It was very funny at times. Some stuff like other jokes were dated and kind of offensive by today's standards. But other than that, the dialogue was very funny. It was silly and it was just the jokes landed most of the time. Uh, I like the fact that how they portrayed Jennifer where before she was possessed, she was probably seen as like an object and wasn't taken seriously. But she did use that to her advantage when she was possessed. She uses her own sexuality and her benefit as her weapon, which was easily able to seduce pretty much any guy she talked to and able to feed herself and keep herself strong. I thought that was really cool. So yeah, overall, full tray of lasagna. Garfield approves. I will say for, in terms of spoopy, I'm going to give it zero. I I just didn't find it to be scary. Um, If I was going to look at this as a horror movie, I, I actually found it to be, a little annoying because it just didn't take itself seriously. Uh, like I said earlier, found it to be kind of juvenile uh, with the dialogue. Um, characters were very well. All right, so that's my that's my spoopy. But overall, I, I know our spoopy meter is not exact science, but you gave Deathbed more spoopy points than you gave this movie. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a day of the week. Um, that's a really fair point. Oh. I mean, the most I would give it is one. I'm between zero and one. Like, I just didn't find it to be scary or tense or anything. Uh, Deathbed was a high-quality movie, uh, which we will someday recreate and share with our loved ones. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
But can't, ar- ter- can't argue with that. <laughs> in terms of overall, I I just want to point out a couple things that I read on different articles uh, that were from them. So I, I understand that this movie is supposed to be empowering, and as as a man, listen to me tell you what is empowering and not for women uh no but in in all seriousness i i'm not going to sit here and tell any woman what is going to be empowering to you and whatnot if this is empowering that's dope that's awesome but like um just for my cisgendered white male opinion i read that they really wanted to tackle that women are not just accessories to which i i really think that they did a good job like these are women that aren't like hampered down by men in the story. Chip is such a side character. I would say that he's an accessory more than anything. Um, So I think that they did a great job of that. They also said that they wanted to express intensity of female bonds in this movie that I really don't see to me. It's most of it is just Jennifer being a terrible person. Like she, I don't think that she develops very well as a character. I think she's very conceited. I don't see a bond between her and needy throughout this entire movie. Needy, on the other hand, I, I do see um, I see her bond with her. But like, I don't know, like there's just not an intensity of female bonds there. Like that's I don't really get that. Uh, they want to tell the story from the female perspective. Again, I, I think they did a great job of that. And I really like this quote from the writer when she's talking about how Jen is putting on her makeup. And she says that um, she's very vulnerable right here. And. I don't know any woman who hasn't had a moment where she's sitting in front of the mirror and thinking, help, I just want to be someone else. And like, I can't really relate to that, but like, I think that that's a very powerful image that the director was trying to do. So I really appreciate what they put into it. I appreciate that it was a woman that directed it. It was a woman that wrote this. This is a very woman centric movie uh, by women who are self-proclaimed feminists. Like I, I appreciate all that. Um, and if I'm looking at this movie as like not a serious, serious horror movie and just look at it for like Mike said, just look at it for what it is. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I, I'm going to give it three out of four layers. Um, we're just going to cut off that layer because I'm on a diet. And that that's how I felt about it. I thought, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I'd like the movie, too. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> No, you guys, you guys wrapped it up. Uh, I got nothing else to say. It was, it was a good movie. I had a fun time. Uh, my suggestion, watch it. It's good. Yeah, watch it. Yeah, uh, let's go ahead and thank our our friends here. Uh, the artwork is done by Connor McLeod. You can find his information in the podcast description, both in the episode and in the general podcast description. Uh, you can also uh, thank Andy Andrew Cavanaugh. Uh, who does our uh, intro and outro music. You can find his info there as well. Uh, Thanks to our shout out earlier. And I guess we'll see you guys next week. Uh, Chris, do you have anything you want to say to any of the people? Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time.